Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Here we go on Wednesday inside the Sports Cage. It's 3.07. Sean Kleisinger sitting in once again uh, on this. Well, it's more of a windy day today. It was smoky yesterday. Now it's kind of taken a turn and the wind is in town here. It was really windy at riders practice today. and uh, But hey, the riders... We're back on the practice field today, getting excited for Sunday's game, and we'll talk all about it throughout today's show. Uh, I'm, I'm Zinger alongside my buddy Blaine Wyland across the board from you here. The text line always open as it always is. 306-936-6262 is the text line. But uh, before we get into today's show, we would like to address uh, a tweet which came from the Sports Cage account early on uh in the Wednesday AM. Uh, there was a unsolicited tweet posted on the Sports Cage Twitter account referring to Doris Burke being promoted at ESPN. And the Sports Cage account was compromised by an unauthorized user and in no way represents the views of the Sports Cage 620 CKRM and Harvard Media. And uh, with that being said, we have Michael Ball standing by live. I'm Ballsy coming to you live from my basement studio in White City. Uh, thanks to Zinger and Blaine for doing the show as I'm fighting a bug. Trying to keep everybody else on the team healthy while trying to rest my voice for the big game Sunday against the BC Lions. So I'm in my basement just resting, have social media turned off for the most part, and then my phone starts blowing up because the sports cage apparently put out a tweet in response to the fact that Doris Burke has been promoted to ESPN's lead NBA broadcast team, she'll make history during the NBA final when she becomes the first woman to call a major American men's championship. That's great news. We've got our own Daniela Ponticelli on our broadcast, the pre- and the post-game show, and our sideline reporters. She, in my opinion, is the best sideline reporter in the CFL. I say it during every broadcast. Well... Apparently, at the Twitter handle at SportsCage, somebody in response or in retweeting this Doris Burke tweet put in all caps, LOL, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. That wasn't the SportsCage. Folks, we've been trying to deal with this for a while now, longer than I care to even think about. We've been trying to deal with a hacker. Somebody's been hacking our account, either posting crap like that or taking down some of our stuff when we tweet it out. It has nothing to do with anybody at Harvard Broadcasting or the Sports Cage, and in particular, yours truly, because my name is attached to the Sports Cage. But it has nothing to do with Zinger or Blaine or anybody involved with Harvard or Harvard management. We are trying to get to the bottom of this, so you can have all your BS theories on social media. I am not... uh 
getting into it there, but I do want to say that we had nothing to do with that. We are totally on board with equality and diversity. Uh, that is something we would never tweet out or retweet. It's garbage. We are handling it. Social media, for the most part, is a sewer pipe. That's my uh, thanks, Ballsy, for hopping on the cage here on this Wednesday afternoon. It's 3-11 inside the sports cage, and uh, we're going to hear some audio uh, coming up here from Coach Dickinson and Coach or uh, starting quarterback, it looks like, for the Riders on uh, Sunday. Jake Dolagala on the other side of the break. But uh, once again, apologies if anyone was uh, – or it's obviously very uh, – offensive and ballsy put it very well there uh none of us uh within the sports cage none of us within harvard media obviously you know believes or would tweet something like that so uh uh hopefully we can get the bottom uh to the bottom of this soon and uh uh, once again, apologies for uh, this happening. We're going to take a break here, and on the other side of the break, we're going to hear from Coach Craig Dickinson, and it looks like Jake Dolagala will be the starter at quarterback here for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Sunday when they take on the BC Lions at Mosaic Stadium for a 5 p.m. kickoff. You are listening to the Sports Cage on this Wednesday on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. 313 inside the Sports Cage. The text line open 306-936-6262. And uh, I should tell you the lineup that we have today. A nice juicy lineup getting all set here for Wednesday's show. Morley Scott will be joining us here in a few moments. And then uh, Ben Wagner, the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on the radio, will be joining us at 3.35. And uh, Paul Waldu, Waldu's Warriors, back for another installment. I wonder who Paul Waldu is going to have for his Warriors for Sunday night at Mosaic Stadium. That's at 4.20. Christian Katende, running back for the Regina Rams, will be hopping on the Western Pizza Hotline at 4.35. And uh, where are they now with Darren Flutie? At 535. And Darren Flutie, he is going into the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, Wall of Honor, I think they call it. It's usually a ring of honor, but I think Hamilton calls it the Wall of Honor. I could be mistaken by that. But regardless, you know, it's just a fancy name for the Hall of Fame, Blaine. So, yeah, I can't wait to hear uh, Darren Flutie, who uh, sat down with friend of the sports cage, Brendan McGuire. That is uh, coming up at 535. But uh, first of all, let's talk about riders practice a bit here. Blaine, you were there. I mean, the exciting part. Of today, by far, would have to be Kean Schaefer Baker practicing with the ones for the first time this she, uh, this season. How was that vibe like? It, it's a positive vibe. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna hear from KSB uh, uh, sometime throughout yeah. the show, uh, but yeah, he was excited, and uh, you could tell he's uh, he's re- he's ready to go. I think uh, it's not for sure yet because you know we'll never know for sure until the depth chart is released. But all signs are indicating that he's going to be starting. And it looks like he's going to be playing inside at slot back. That's where he was taking a lot mm-hmm. of snaps. I know last year he played a lot wide receiver, but uh, he was lined up inside today. Mm. So as far as Jake Dolagala goes, I'm just really intrigued to see him and what he's going to be like with a full week of preparation under his belt. I know a lot of people maybe blow that out of proportion sometimes, but let's be honest here. I mean... <laughs> It can't do him any harm by getting a full week of reps. I mean, look back to last week. 
He came in there with probably zero yep. Yep. against Montreal because think back, we had one week or uh, one, one day, day. Of, one day of practice, and who was getting the snaps for that one day? Well, it was Mason Fine. So mm-hmm. Jake Dolagala getting a nice uh, full week of work. What else stood out for you at practice today? Any, anything else you wanna you wanna share? Um, well, some other good signs. Mitch Picton was back, yep. and he was looking like yeah, Mitch that Pick- head injury. He's been out for a while. He made a nice snag today at practice too. Um, so it looks like he. All indications are he's back. Jawan Breskison is also back. He was a full participant today. So, and then uh, Brandon Council was a limited participant, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he was kind of practicing off the side, but he had his gear on. So maybe you get him back at left tackle on a Sunday. So, I mean, it's only day one. Um, so you can't take too much, you know what I mean, for day one. We'll have to wait and see how the week goes on in terms of that front. Uh, but that, that that's kind of the big things that they're getting healthier receiver, especially, yeah, KSB. That was a big thing for today. And just, yeah, Jake Dolgallop. Was obviously taking the first string snaps, so all signs are pointing to him being the starter on Sunday. Well, let's hear from the head coach of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Craig Dickinson, who chatted with the media after practice. And apologies in advance, it is a bit windy out there today, and there's nothing we can do about Mother Nature. But here's Craig Dickinson. Uh, an update on Mason Fine? No, um, other than it's a hamstring, and uh, we'll see how he how he does. But it doesn't look. being aggressive with treatment and we'll probably sit him this week and then hopefully get him back after the bye. What kind of challenge is it to be at Well, it's a challenge just because the, the quarterbacks take time to develop rhythm uh, and um, and that's something you just can't simulate. So the idea is, you know, we're hoping to get as much rhythm as possible with Jake and with Shea, but, but you know, that's that's something that just, just has to come with time. So the offense, in, in essence, Rob, is the same. So the guys know the offense. It's just the chemistry with the receivers. Your thoughts on Jake today and what you saw from him? You know, I, I'll have to watch the film. I was trying to get the guys motivated today. I felt like we were a touch slow and a little bit uh, groggy. Gave him a few days off. We had to kind of kind of get him going a little bit. So I'll watch the film and see. How close is Keen Schaefer Baker? He's running with the Well, he's today. practicing, so we'll see how he does and see how he looks by the end of the week. Is Jake, Jake is starting this week? Not going to name a starter just yet, but he took most of the reps today. Um, and bringing in Antonio Pipkin, uh, reasoning behind that? Just to have another quarterback. If Mace can't dress, we need to have three. Greg, just your, your thoughts on the season so far. We're halfway through kind of what, what it's been like for you guys. I'll tell you what, I've really enjoyed the season so far. I mean, I feel like we've got a good bunch of guys that really enjoy coming to work and enjoy playing together. I feel like we've been competitive every week for the most part. You know, even that game against Montreal, you know, I watched the film and it wasn't like we weren't playing hard. Just got down early and couldn't seem to shake it. So uh, it's a good bunch and I'm enjoying each and every day with you don't want to use that as an excuse, but a lot of injuries for you guys throughout the first sure, half. Sure, yeah, you know, but it is what it is. Calgary's got even more than we do, so um, we just keep plugging along, doing the best we can with the hand for help. When you consider Craig, the, that, uh, that, uh, the schedule, I mean, there's been a lot of road games, a lot of travel. Now you've got back-to-back home games with a bye week in between. Is it nice to see the other end of the spectrum? Yeah, all the yeah, it's there? nice to be home. It's nice to play in front of the fans. It's nice to sleep in your own bed, and it's nice to you know, get into a rhythm. So we gave them quite a bit of time off, you know, after the Montreal game. Hopefully we come out tomorrow and have a good solid day. And it's good to be home. Are you happy with where you're at at the midway point here? No, we'd like to have a couple more, but it is what it is. So we just keep working, see if we can't get hot here at the end. Being at the midway point, is there a player that's, you know, played from week one to now really has jumped up the 
Well, I'm trying to think. Yeah, Amari Henderson's had a good year. He's been really good. Um, Nick Marshall's been very good. Um, those are some of the guys I think. I think Micah Tights is really rounding into form. So those would be guys I would single out. And then obviously our receivers, Tevin Jones and, and Sean Bain have had a good first nine games. So those would be guys that I would single out as being guys that are playing well. Well, they're really good. I mean, that was the first time we saw them, and that was an impressive outing. Best defense in the league. I mean, they're leading the league in a lot of statistical categories, and they play very fast and physical. So um, we focused mainly on, on ourselves today, but we just got to play a better game. Felt like we were right in it over there and had a chance to win, so we're hoping that we can play better. I think I think we've got a better bunch. I think we're ready, ready to go, and uh, it'll be a nice challenge for us. I'm looking forward to it. We got to play well around him. We got to do a good job up front. We got to be able to run the football, and our receivers need to play well around him. So it's a team game. You know, quarterback's obviously the most important guy back there, but it takes all 12, and that's the message this week is we want all 12 to be be firing on all cylinders. Uh, he looked good out there in a few plays he was in, so it's good to have him. He's a really uh, top-notch professional guy. He's been around, and you can see the maturity. So it's good to have him in the room. Was he brought in just because you, you need a third quarterback out here, or also because short yardage and stuff? A little bit of there? both. A little bit of both. We're not sure what we're going to do in short yardage, but we needed a, a guy with experience, a guy that's been in the league and knows, you know, knows the motions and knows the nuances of the game. And we're happy to have him. How tough is it to have to relinquish Kari, who's been such a good member of the organization? Yeah, it was tough, but he's got an opportunity to play, you know, and we wish him the very best over there in Hamilton. Riders head coach Craig Dickinson after practice today on this Wednesday, August 16th, and the BC Lions and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders wrap up the week on Sunday. To kick off the week, the Edmonton Elks are in Hamilton for a 5.30 p.m. Saskatchewan time kickoff tomorrow night, and the voice of the Edmonton Elks, Morley Scott, now joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline on 6.30, Chad. And, uh, well, how you doing today, Morley? How is Hamilton, Ontario treating you on this Wednesday? Ah, wonderful. Hamilton's a great stop on the tour, isn't yeah. it? Uh, it's hot and humid here today, and it's supposed to be that way tomorrow, so uh, probably be a tough day. I was waiting down... I'd walked through today, and I was waiting for the Tiger Cats to finish, and I had to go into the shade because it was just so hot down on the field. So it's going to be uh, going to be a, a real liquid evening uh, uh, tomorrow night for the yeah. players. Going to have to stay uh, hydrated. Yeah, I want to talk about that game tomorrow night, but uh, I would be remiss if I didn't, uh, you know, bring up the news. Wait, is there something else yeah. going on with the Elks? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so, Morley. I'm trying to think here. Oh, right. <laughs> so, how have you and how has the team? You know, how's the just overall, as an organization, a very tough week. I just can't imagine being like right in the middle of it, such as yourself. Like you're right, you know, around it every single day. So I guess uh, just take us through what this week has been like. Yeah, it's been uh, extremely interesting. That's for sure. We had the the week before we had the changes, uh, you know, going into the game. Uh, with Winnipeg to the offensive coordinator position and a quarterback, and then that's on the field. Then off the field, uh, we, we got the news late Monday night, and Farhan Lalji was the first one to tweet it out about uh, the change with uh, at the very top of the organization with Victor Kui and the, and the team parting ways. So 
that started Monday night, and it's been pretty much the story and the topic in and around Edmonton uh, since then. Uh, I was traveling yesterday, so I missed the news conference. Did watch it later on on the internet and everything. But yeah, very very interesting. Uh, mixed emotions for everybody involved. Uh, Victor Quee. And and I I don't know you know I I don't want to speculate too much on, on things but obviously it sounds like he was a different guy to the fans and in public than he was in the office and and there was trouble apparently in the office and uh, the board of directors uh, had decided after uh, after some consultation with some people that they wanted to make the move so they approached Victor and conversations went on and it became a mutual parting of the ways so uh, more than anything. I think it was a pretty big surprise for everybody. Yeah, and here we are. I think, do you know what the Elks need? They need a nice win tomorrow night, you know? to Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? And the Elks, they're getting one of the CFL's top receivers back in the lineup uh, on Thursday night versus the Tabbies. Eugene Lewis officially returning from that knee injury that has uh, held him out out of, what, the last six games? So that's going to be big for uh, the Edmonton offense tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. You know, he was the big prize possession come uh, free agency time last year, but he's only played two games and a bit because of that injury. Uh, he's got, uh, I think, 11 receptions for 200 yards and a touchdown in the games he played. Of course, had that massive 102-yard touchdown play uh, in game number one against the Riders. So, yeah, he'll be a great addition. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think uh, I think the Elks are looking forward to getting him back into the offense. And, you know, they're starting to establish the run game a little bit. Uh Dylan Mitchell starting to come around and play a lot better and make make some pass make some yardage with his receptions. Uh, Kevin Brown's had some a couple of good games at the running back spot, uh, and of course Trey Ford now at the quarterback position. Uh, we'll see how he does in week two uh, since uh, since he's been given that spot. And uh, you know he was okay last week, not not good enough for a win, but good enough for a second start, and that's what he gets tomorrow night. Do you think this is Trey Ford's team the rest of the way, or is it just trial by error? You know, it just seems like a whole lot of quarterbacks have been in and out of the lineup. Is this uh, are we at the point where you know, we're just going to see Trey Ford take this team, or do you think Chris Jones has other things in mind? Obviously, it's going to come down to performance. You're not going to send him out there if he's, you know, throwing six picks a game. But uh, how long? Yeah, how I, long do you think his uh, leash is for Trey Ford? I, I think it's pretty long. I think he's going to get a good long look here because I, I, I believe it would be pretty. It might be pretty difficult to go back to Taylor Cornelius right now, especially with the with the fan base angry about the fact that Trey Ford wasn't getting an opportunity. Um, I, I think Ford's going to get a chance to, to take over and to take the job and run with it. Um, you know, he's um, he's a guy who's got all sorts of great skill and all sorts of great potential. Uh, and the thing that I think a lot of people forget about John is the fact he hasn't played a lot of football. I mean, mm-hmm. his college career was during the COVID era, right? So he had one season wiped out. He had one season shortened. Uh, last year, he started three games, spent six games on the injury list. Uh, this year, he just got his first start last week. So, He's a guy for all his skill and all his athleticism. He hasn't played a ton of football, certainly not as much football as most guys his age have who came through a different era and not through the COVID era in, in his college days. So uh, I think the, the sky's the limit for him. I think he can get better and better. Um, he's going to have to learn on the fly a little bit, but I believe he's going to get that opportunity with the Elks. Yeah, it's he's an intriguing, very intriguing talent. I hope that uh, he gets a, at least a couple of starts to show what he can do before 
I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I hope it doesn't happen before he gets the good old yank like Mr. Taylor Cornelius got. But uh, it's a big game tomorrow night at Tim Hortons Field as well because uh, Darren Flutie is being enshrined on the Wall of Fame. So that's going to be exciting. There's going to be a lot of buzz around the donut box tomorrow night. And yeah, uh, yeah so. It's funny. I was going to say I yeah. I, I was uh, I looked up Darren Flutie's numbers yesterday, and I had forgotten what a great player he was. I mean, mm-hmm. he spent a couple of years in Edmonton uh, back in the '90s and had a couple of twelve or thirteen hundred yard seasons. But he played twelve years in the CFL and had nine thousand yard seasons, and I think three of them were thirteen hundred plus. Um, he was wow. a great receiver and uh, worth all the accolades he's getting from from the Hall of Fame to going up on the on the Wall of Honor uh, here in Hamilton and at the game tomorrow night. Just a just a great player. He kind of flew under the radar because he wasn't flashy and he wasn't real talkative and he wasn't you know seeking up the limelight. He just went out and caught a bunch of footballs every game for a bunch of yards and touchdowns. Yeah. Well, maybe the Edmonton Elks can spoil the party tomorrow night for Mr. Darren Flutie. I know that's what the Elks Nation is hoping for. Have a good call tomorrow night. Morley, as always, thanks for your uh, for your time today. Anytime, Junior. Good to talk to you. Yeah, you too, my friend. That's Morley Scott, the voice of the Edmonton Elks, on the Western Pizza Hotline as we hit the break. And on the other side of the break, we are going to hear from the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And the Blue Jays had a nice win last night. It was a bit of a weird one, but uh, we'll take it at this point. You are listening to the Sports Cage on this Wednesday on 620 CKRM. We're talking baseball with the latest on the Jays and the MLB. It's Around the Horn with Ben Wagner on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And back inside the sports cage here, it's 3.34, and we are joined by the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on the Western Pizza Hotline. Ben Wagner, how are you doing today, Ben? Zigger, what's going on, man? I could not be any better. Yeah, and it's, things are feeling pretty good in Blue Jay land right now. A lot to talk about, a lot of good vibes. Uh, let's talk about the game last night, I guess. Uh, Kevin Biggio, he was hit by a pitch with the bases loaded, and uh, he moved home the eventual game-winning run. And, uh, well, we'll take it at this point. What a game that was last night. The Rogers Center must have been buzzing. You know, one thing about Kevin's game recently is what we have been waiting on for Kevin, and that's a long run. You know, a long run of production, a long run of impact, a long run of opportunity, and taking it. Right now, for, you know, Bo Bichette's injury kind of opened up everything for Kevin. You need Whit Merrifield, especially against right-handed pitching and left-handed pitching now, uh, more frequently in left field. And against left-handed pitching, you got Kevin most of the time on the bench. But right now, the Blue Jays, just with their depth, it's been dinged to a point where Kevin's going to get a lot of opportunities, especially against right-handed pitching, and he is taking advantage of it right now. And that is by far and away the most important thing in in this season specifically, which I always thought was going to be a big year for Kevin and what he could what he could do in a utility slash uh, late game situation, either pinch run defensively or pinch hit roll. Is, is going to be an impact on this team. And right now, when the games are mattering the most and they've got a significant whiff in their lineup right now, in the absence of Bo Bichette, uh, somebody had to step up and do it. And Kevin has really, really done exceedingly well. 
Yeah, Bo Bichette with a nice opposite field single in his uh, rehab game with uh, AAA Buffalo this afternoon. Uh, your old squad, Ben Wagner, and uh, things are things are looking up here for the Toronto Blue Jays. Do we know of a, a timetable maybe of when uh, Bo Bichette will be back with the big squad? So I talk with Bo one-on-one Sunday, and I ask him specifically about the goals on the rehab assignment. Because a rehab assignment for different guys can mean a million different things. Is it about getting the body right, getting your legs underneath you? Bo hasn't missed that amount of time. Uh, you know, where it's going to be significant, where his timing is going to feel off, in his words, feel off at the plate. But what he was able to do is pretty, pretty soon after his injury, he was able to get in the cage and keep swinging, keep seeing some flips or even off the pitching machine. That's the really good news. What Bo told me would be the number one focus for him moving into the rehab, uh, and it's only supposed to be a couple of days in Buffalo, is that rehab with stop and start. It's the explosiveness out of the batter's box. It's rounding first base, second base, you know, what have you, coming through at the plate. We saw him run the bases, and he scored from first all the way around. And the power down that follows. It's not the lateral. It's not the difficult, you know, movements that a shortstop is required to have. So that's a really good sign. And today, more than any day that Bo has since the injury, uh, today was the biggest test for him. And he looked pretty fluid on the bases from the video that I saw. And I think maybe one more day just to get his legs underneath him. And they were trying to utilize the off day on Thursday, but he might have to play tomorrow with Buffalo. And uh, and then suit up in Cincinnati. Yeah. So Bo Bichette, he's on the brink of coming back for Toronto. And last night, Jordan Romano back on the mound. What was the atmosphere like last night? I was getting kind of the goosebumps just watching it on TV. That was exciting, uh, Romano's uh, return. <laughs> it's, it starts with the light show, Sean. Oh, yeah. It? I mean, when the lights go Got down. juiced up. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's when, you know, the music starts to thump, the gate opens, and Romano starts to trot out. And the place is lit up red and white. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and last night was no exception with Jordan and his comeback. And this was the target for Jordan. You know, he had the creaky back. He wanted to get out there. He wanted to have the outing in Buffalo, which he looked really good. And, and for, first and foremost, <laughs> pitching is so much different than hitting with the timing of it. But you can lose a feel for pitches. And over the course of this season, there have been times, not injury-related, and certainly not this kind of injury-related for Romano, he's lost the feel of the slider, you know, and that's why he's relied on the fastball a lot, which he always possesses upper upper 90 velo, and that's great, and it creates a lot of whiff, of course. But you can't let major league hitters just know that you've tucked the slider in the back pocket. So he had to show it. A couple of times he got burned by the slider that was left out there hanging. Uh, the Blue Jays were very, very pleased with the depth of the slider that Romano had in his rehab outing. And that's another reason, one, with the back, but two, with what they saw from seven different sliders. Six of them were located for strikes, which is really important. And it created a little bit of whiff when he was in Buffalo as well. So uh, they looked like he was going to bring his A stuff back to the big leagues. And there is such a calm in any, any ball game that is tight. When you go to your closer in the most difficult outs are the last three to obtain and you give the ball to a guy you trust. And while Jordan Hicks had a two-week audition and, you know, he had great flashes, at times there were some bumps in the road, you know, and and we kind of knew that talking with people in St. Louis and hearing about and also looking at just his given track record. But having Jordan Romano back there and the added velo then to build towards Jordan is a huge luxury right now for the Toronto Blue Jays. 
Mm. Yeah, such a good feeling to have the closer back on the mound, like you like you're saying. Uh, the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And I would sound silly, Ben, if I didn't bring up this guy. You say Kikuchi. I mean, holy smokes, this guy's on fire. Exactly what you want at the bottom of the rotation. What you want, what you've been waiting on with you, say Kikuchi, and it's the conviction that he's throwing the pitches right now, and. It's a conviction that you see in the finish of the pitches. It's a confidence that he's carrying with him 24-7. It's really incredible in what just one calendar year. And you think back to a year ago where he was demoted out of the rotation. Yeah. Remember that he went into the bullpen one year ago, and the the turnaround for him and Jose Brios have been just uh, paramount to the Blue Jays and an overall pitching staff that has carried more than their weight. Uh, throughout this course of the season. And uh, Kikuchi's right there in the unheralded, you know, superstars of this year. However it finishes, you say Kikuchi should get a massive, massive uh, pat on the back, gold star, uh, whatever accolade you want to associate it with the left-hander. He has been way, way, way more fun than what we had to watch and last year. And and this year, too, you know, he's, he's a byproduct of change. You know what? Things weren't working. He tweaked grips. He tweaked his velocity. He tweaked his repertoire. Um, He always has the harness of the fastball, but it was throwing the fastball for strikes just to make the other stuff more effective. And what he has been able to do with a lot of hard work and time invested is put everything together. He has been a remarkable story this season for Toronto. Yeah, I think it's time for me to get a Kikuchi jersey, Ben. What do you think? Maybe I should place an order right now. Right you're, now, you're during... late to the bandwagon. You know, I know. You're late. You're I just, late. You're I just, a month late. I just don't got the money, Ben. It comes down to the money. No, I'm just joking. Hey, uh, lastly, Ben, it was pretty sweet to have Jose Bautista back at the Rogers Center over the weekend. Uh, Jay's taking on the Cubs. Uh, ring of honor for Jose Bautista. That must have been cool to see him back on the on the field. You know, having Jose in the ballpark, even in his heyday, mm-hmm. go back to 2000, uh, the well, 2010 really is when it started with the turnaround, the ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark anytime. Anytime Jose was around, it created buzz. Mm-hmm. No buzz was bigger than uh, him being the lead alpha male in a clubhouse that had a couple of them. Mm-hmm. During that, expectations of 14, certainly the turnaround of 15, and then just an incredible run those two years with 15 and 16, people are aware when Jose Bautista is one there, but two in the building. And this weekend was revolving around Jose Bautista. And it started on Friday, the adduction to the level of excellence, which was so well-deserved. But, you know, I think it was also an opportunity for Jose to to have the recognition, certainly, to experience something that he had never been able to experience with his friends and family. And I asked him about this. When we were chatting uh, for Saturday's pregame ahead of the ceremony, I said, you know, you have been somebody that has been so focused and so driven and so motivated and so uh, so in the zone where you haven't had an ability to take a step into this building, let alone onto the field. But he's never had the ability to come in relaxed. And for the first time, and I've not, not only known him for like 10 years, and knowing is a very loosely uh, used word there, uh, been around Jose Bautista mm-hmm. for the first time on Saturday and Friday. I saw him relaxed and enjoying the moment, and I think it was it was great for him. I referenced kind of the spiritual part of 
his life now and what he's trying to do for his girls. And he's got four girls, his wife, and they were all on the field there too. And it's just great. Uh, the spiritual aspect for Jose and what he was able to connect with and then just let himself for the first time ever, ever, somebody saw Jose Bautista be a little vulnerable mm-hmm. with the wells in his eyes and yeah. wiping tears back and forth. That was what was just remarkable about Jose. And it goes beyond the highlights from his greatest heyday. It was how it was all encompassed and then finally brought to an exclamation point with the unveiling of his name on the level of excellence. It was truly a beautiful, beautiful three days at Rogers Center. Yeah, that was a legendary moment at the Rogers Center on uh, over the weekend there. It was uh, great to see Jose back. I was getting emotional watching it on TV. I mean, I, I can't imagine being at the ballpark. Hey, Ben. It was have, dusty in the booth, too. Yeah, uh, have a good <laughs> call tonight. in the booth. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kevin Gosman on the hill tonight, taking on the Philadelphia Phillies in the second game of this mini two-game set. Thanks for uh, taking some time today Ben so close to opening pitch and we'll talk to you next week a pleasure as always that's Ben Wagner the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays here on the Western Pizza Hotline and we are going to hit the break on the other side we're going to go back to Rough Riders practice and hear from maybe QB1 this week Jake Dolagala it's looking that way got the first team reps today at practice you are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM the kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, 348 inside the Sports Cage. Text line always open. Don't be shy. 306-936-6262. Sean Kleisinger here sitting in for Michael Ball. Ballsy will be back in the cage tomorrow. And uh, we are all looking forward to this game on Sunday. I mean, there's no doubt. Got a get this bad taste out of our mouths you know that rotten performance in Montreal I'm looking up though I got a good vibe about this game coming up here on Sunday I really do I'm just not spitballing I really do have a good vibe Jake Dolagala looks like he's going to be getting the first team reps all week at practice and we chatted with him after practice today I was good it was windy um, I was good to get out here again we had a couple days off I think a couple of the guys are resting up uh any nicks or things we had from last game, I think we got those out of us uh, over the weekend. But um, yeah, we're back. Yeah,
to kind of prepare you for, for this game on Sunday? Uh, well, you just build off of every opportunity you've ever had, right? Um, you just like to think you keep, can keep getting better each day. And uh, that's that's my goal this week, just keep getting better. And, you know, Sunday's going to be fun. So. And you have uh, Schaefer Baker out there. What's that like for your team? It's great. Um, you know, it brings a lot of energy. He's obviously um, a heck of a football player, so it's uh, it's good to have him back. What have you seen from the BC defense as you get ready for him? We know what they did the first game against you guys and Mason's first start. Yeah. Um, I mean, the last couple of games, I don't think we've seen much different um, from them on film than what they gave us before. Um, As a young guy uh, trying to prove yourself and everything with this being your second career start, you always have to kind of weigh going for that big play and kind of making the safe one against a good defense like BC. Well, you just got to take what they give you. Um, you know, big plays will be there. Um, but, you know, it's just trying to get first downs here and there and, uh, you know, score when we can. You know, move the ball, move the chains. Um, when we get in the red zone, we got to score touchdowns. Can't, can't kick field goals all the time. Every athlete obviously wants to play. Is there a different level of excitement personally for you this week? I mean, yeah, you're excited. It's a professional start. Like, how can you not? You grew up as a kid dreaming of that. So, um, of course, I'm excited, yeah. And that's Saskatchewan Rough Rider quarterback Jake Dolgella just after practice today. As it looks like he's going to be getting the start on Sunday. He did take the first team reps. We heard from Coach Dixon earlier today. Did not name a starter, but I think the feeling from the Rough Rider locker room is that Jake Dolgala will be the one behind center when the Rough Riders line up against the BC Lions on Sunday in a crucial matchup. Of course, 5 o'clock kickoff, and of course, all coverage here on 620 CKRM begins at 2. And as well, after practice today, we had a chance to catch up with the offensive coordinator of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Kelly Jeffrey. And of course, quarterbacks was the main topic of that discussion as well. Uh, you know, Jake mentally is really good and really strong with the offense. He's just, um, you know, in actual game reps, um, have, hasn't had a whole lot. And at the end of Toronto, um, when he stepped in, you know, that the game was pretty much over. You know, I think he played a little bit looser and freer. And, um, you know, when Montreal was uh, still a fighting chance, if we could get a few drives together, um, I, th- I think he just got off a few reads that he, he normally knows where the ball goes. And so um, we'll see that. And with, with more experience, it'll it'll get better. And uh, he just needs that, that live, actual reps. Does the, uh, does the playbook change at all with Jake? Him and Mason find some, like, two quarterbacks with two different strengths. Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, it does to an extent. Um, you know, Mason's got some mobility that he can utilize a little bit more than Jake. But uh, Jake, pocket-wise, he's, he's a really good passer. And so, um, you know, and, and I, it's the same story with Mason as with Jake. You know, when uh, when I started putting pen to paper with this offense, you know, there was no Trevor Harris in the picture. Um, I was thinking of Mason and Jake and, and how we could best accentuate what they do well. And so from that standpoint, you know, some of this is already set up for him. And it's been the same offense since training camp. So uh, mentally, like I said, he's, he's got a real good feel for it. It just uh, that live game action uh, hits a little bit different the first time it's real. Can you talk about more of those similarities between the two quarterbacks when you were designing the like, offense with Mason and uh, Jake? Yeah, uh, you know, the, 
both really good arms, um, and, and Jake's got a very strong arm. Um, I think uh, read-wise, uh, mentally, they're really good. They've had a lot of these concepts before, you know, and, and Jake with his time in the NFL and Mason just throwing the ball basically since he was born. Um, they, they've seen a lot of these concepts before, so it, it wasn't a huge adjustment in terms of um, the mental side of things. They, they, they both know the playbook. They both know the concepts. Um, it's just getting some of that experience helps. Not to discount Mason's throwing arm, but when you look at Jake and the sheer power and distance, things in play with Jake's arm. Uh, he's, he does have a really big arm that uh, sometimes just feels effortless. You know, he just looks like he's just flicking his wrist and the ball just shoots out like a cannon. So, uh, yeah, so there's a few more deep shots um, that, that you are uh, inclined to take a shot at. What's it like as an OC to possibly start getting Keith Schaefer-Baker out here? You know what he brings on the offensive side? It's really exciting. We, we've been waiting for this day for a long time. It uh, feels like we're on the Christmas Eve here and hopefully, uh, you know, practice goes well and he's healthy and still feels good and comfortable. And if so, uh, man, it's, it's a weapon that um, I think we're really excited about. We're midway through the season here. Just your thoughts on your first year as a CFL OC and how it's been going for you. Uh, okay, like we got to get better. Um, I think there's um, some things we can do play calling wise um, that we can get better with um, just committing to the run a little bit more um, being better in short yardage, obviously, um, you know, we've had some continuity issues just with revolving door at offensive line and receiver and quarterback. And so um, I really before the season in my head thought about six games in, I thought we'd be rolling. Um, I did not account for having some quarterback issues uh, with injury and some O-line issues. And so I, I kind of felt that set us back, set me back a little bit and getting a feel for these guys. But uh, I, I feel back on track now. I, I feel good about the game plan this week, and I feel good about the opportunity at home. Is there a lot of learning on the fly for you? Like you're like, well, this doesn't work. This works kind of because you run more games than that. You know, not so much. Um, I think the instances in which I call things can be a lot better, but uh, I think, you know, most of it's sound, and, and we stand there a lot on the sidelines saying, man, that play was there, that play was there, we, we just need to execute better. Is that, uh, is, is an example of that, the deep pass to Stearns early in the Montreal game, where it's just an inch or two, and that's a different play, maybe a different... Yeah, uh, yeah, that's... That things yeah, things like that, um, you know, you just want to lead them more to the middle of the field instead of down the field, um, and, and when you talk about execution, there, there's a lot of that. You know, we had a couple second and fives where we either had a, a throw not go well or a wrong route, and so those type of things we, we got to fix, and um, yeah, the execution, we, we feel like if we execute better, you know, really the whole playbook's there for us. What do you take from that first BC matchup? Well, it didn't score a touchdown, that one has an offense to come out and get some more points this time around. Yeah, it was an odd one. Um, you know, as, as uh, Picton got hurt, um, we were limited in terms of our weapons. Uh, we, we only had four receivers after that, so they started loading the box. We wanted to run the ball, but it got real hard just as they knew, um, you know, we, we were struggling a little bit personnel-wise. And so um, I learned a few things. Uh, I don't, I don't want to give them all away, but, yeah, I learned a few things. Why hasn't Mario Alford been used more on offense? That's a question we get a lot from people. Yeah, uh, you know, as he as he was soaring past me for a second punt return TD against Calgary, I really thought, man, I, I would hate to lose that cat. And so uh, it's coming. We'll we'll get him a little more involved. He had uh, I forget what it was, a little bit of a knee or hamstring tightness early in the season. So I, I didn't want to push him, but the the Ferrari's going to come out at some point. In terms of Jake going back to Jake, is his pocket impressive? Yeah, and um, he actually he's 
he's really he's got great courage in the pocket like he'll stand in there to the last absolute second uh to, to take a shot we just uh got to get him moving within the pocket a little bit more um to buy himself that extra time and um because of his height he's got great vision you know he's able to see a lot of things other quarterbacks can't see and so um, that's really helpful for him that's Riders Offensive Coordinator Kelly Jeffrey after practice today. And before that, we heard from Jake Dolagala, who looks like is going to be getting the start here on Sunday at Mosaic Stadium. Time to break for news on the other side. Paul Waldu, Waldu's Warriors coming up at 420. And Christian Katende running back for the Regina Rams, also going to hop on the Western Pizza Hotline here in Hour 2. You were listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Hour two, here we go. Hump day Wednesday. Another day closer to the big game Sunday. Sean Kleisinger here alongside my friend Blaine Wyland. And let's kick off this hour by playing some Sastel Pick the Score. We're going to play a text version of it, though, because I love seeing all the texts flood in on the text line. So 306-936-6262. Text us up if you want some tickets to see the Saskatchewan Rough Riders take on the BC Lions on Sunday. we got a couple pairs, so uh, we'll give one away this hour and then... Maybe one away next hour. I was going to say, Zinger, just remember to include now the all the information that we mm-hmm. need for that text. Yeah, make sure to include your first and last name, your city or town that you reside in, or Don't, Hamlet, or Hamlet. There you go. Or oh, and uh, also, well, we'll have your phone number when you text in, and then obviously your score prediction for the game on Sunday. So once again, 306-936-6262. Text it now for your chance to win some tickets to see the Saskatchewan Rough Riders take on the BC Lions on Sunday at Mosaic Stadium. Uh, Already getting a lot of texts in here, so hopefully if you're hearing this, I mean, just pull over. You know, just pull over to the nearest parking lot and bring out your phone. Don't be doing it while you drive now. So it's a text-only competition here. So 306-936-6262 is the number to text. Text in your name, text in your uh, city, and your score prediction. Coming up at 420 here, so in about uh, 10 minutes' time, it's this week's installment of Waldu's Warriors with our friend Paul Waldu. And I wonder who his Warriors are going to be for Sunday's game. And Christian Katende, speaking of a Warrior, that is... One hard-running running back for the Regina Rams. Christian Contende coming up here just uh, after 4.30. But uh, the news of the day in Ryderville, by far, I think it's safe to say, the Riders back at practice today. And Kean Schaefer-Baker. Schaefer and Bake back on the practice field for the first time in a long time. And we heard from him after practice. You know, just enjoying this blessing and chasing greatness and excellence every single time we walk out onto this field. That's the goal every day. What's the recovery process been like for you? Can you get run through what you've been going through and everything? Yeah, it, it's been long and a, a lot of work. And something you just got to be diligent with and just taking it day by day, that's, that's the biggest thing. People like to look far down in the future and that's not even promised. So it's just taking one step at a time through the whole process. How tough is it to kind of ask a competitor to just kind of be on the sidelines watching the guys go? Oh yeah, that's the hardest thing every day, you know, the relentless mindset you have. 
taking it one day at a time, just seeing how I feel each day. Yes, sir. Is, were you on timeline in terms of the recovery from what they told you back in whenever it was? Yeah, yeah. The original day has always been Labor Day, so I'd say I'm, I'm feeling ahead of things, but again, you, you can't rush those things. You know, a lot goes into it, and you'd hate to see things get ruined just off wanting to be a little too eager just to get out there, so I'm just taking it one step at a time, literally. Did you look ahead to, to sort of this day, working with the starters when it was, you know, February, March, kind of the dog days of winter? Oh, yeah. Um, thinking well, a, a day like this, I think, back to practice full, full speed? Yeah, that, that's always been in the back of my mind every single day, and that's what I work so hard in therapy and what I'll continue to work so hard is just to come out here and help my brothers be better every single day, which helps me be better. Just being away from the game give you a little bit more perspective when you're not playing? Oh yeah, it, it helps you have an attitude of gratitude towards things. You know, in, in a second things can be gone from you and that's even you guys showing up here every single day. It's just truly a blessing and you can't ever take that for granted. So you gotta come out and give it your all because you never know when that time will be calling. Okay, what'd you see from Jacob there? Yeah, he, he's the man, he's the guy. He's getting start this week and you know, guys have always looked up to him. He's a leader in the room. He's played a lot of years in the NFL and this is his second year now in the CFL. So we're, we're excited to see what he can do and just continue to lead everyone. How exciting is it to join the, this aerial attack that a lot of yards, Sean Bain Jr. is one of the league leaders. Now you're another yeah. piece to this. Yeah. Our main focus every week is to be one and know that that's all we focus on. Whether that's coming from our offense or defense, we all got to be playing 12 on 12. Simple as that. Do you feel like kind of like a proud big brother the way that Sam Hamilton has played? Because you guys spent a lot of time after practice last year working together. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say big brother, maybe like a twin brother or something, you know? We're not, I don't think I'm too much older than I think he's older than me, so. No, I'm, I'm very proud of him for, I've seen all the hard work he's putting in every single day, so. Just to watch that come to light, that puts a smile on my face. That's Kean Schaefer Baker after practice today, the first time he's been on the practice field for a very long time. So can't wait to see Schaefer Big making some plays out there at Mosaic Stadium. Uh, the news, some other news this week. Antonio Pipkin, well, he's the latest quarterback to join the Green and White after the team acquired him in a trade on Sunday, it was, with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in exchange for punter Kari Vedvik. And we caught up with Antonio Pipkin for the first time in his new colors. And staff was very welcome. The locker room was very welcoming. And I, I no complaints. I, if I went searching for one, I still couldn't find one. And do you know any of the players? Have you played with some of these guys before? Has that helped at all? Yeah, that's that's been a tremendous help for sure. I've played with some of these guys all over the ball, offense, defense. So that's been a tremendous help to see a familiar face. And then it's like, okay, this is this, but you can think of this this. So that, that's always a big help when I'm learning offense. What are you trying to bring to the team uh, coming here? Everything. Just myself. Myself to its entirety, and then anything that's needed for me, you know, we don't get that. What was the conversation like when they called you? What did they tell you they wanted you to come here and do for them? Um, I'm gonna leave that in house. I'm gonna leave that one in house. But like I said, everything and anything needed for me is gonna get done. You're trying to be a fresh breath of fresh air. Obviously, you don't get disappointed with the loss. But you're trying to bring a fresh perspective. So everything that happened before I got here, I can't speak on. All I can do is everything in my power to help this team move forward and, and, and an ultimate goal. And, and I've tried to my best in this day since I've been here to um, let that be known. And over time, I'm going to let that pour out myself more and more of my authentic self to help push this team in the direction that we all want to go. What were you, uh, what were you doing? How did you find out that you were getting traded to Saskatchewan? 
incredible man it's, it's a, honestly a blessing to be able to continue to play professional football and that's the only way I think about it. How would you describe yourself as a quarterback? As a quarterback? Uh, first off a leader. First off I would definitely say a leader and after that a warrior. A warrior everything that needs to be done you're going to get that out of the quarterback tough and um, obviously the, the intangibles but the tangibles you just let that happen as football you play. You're the first player from your college ever to be a rough rider. I know Boris Beattie are there any other are there any other uh, alumni in the CFL history that you're aware of? It's a about it. It's an attitude. Get the job done. So it doesn't really matter what color of jersey is in front of you. You just has has no it. effect. Yeah. Has no effect. It's an attitude. Get the ball. Get the job done. Are you excited that BC is the team that's coming here this weekend? Does that change anything for you having played there last year? Not at all. Not at all. Honestly, it's just it's professional football. The more you play in the league, you're gonna play teams. You're gonna go to somewhere else. You so if you buy into that hype, that's just a lot of um, unnecessary noise in your own head. It's just another team I look forward. I, I've got a lot of friends over there, a lot of good guys. Nothing but the best. Obviously, they're playing at a tremendously high level. Um, but we got to focus on us, and they come into our house. We got to protect our home. And that is quarterback Antonio Pipkin after practice today. And once again, big apologies, big apologies for, you know, the wind. The wind was a factor today, not only, you know, for throwing the football, but a factor for interviews as well. But uh, we caught some of what uh, Antonio Pipkin was saying there. And uh, so he is wearing number six, by the way, number six in your game day program. Do you remember a quarterback that wore number six? Warren Jones. I was just going to go there. (laughs) Warren Jones wore number six for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the mid-1990s. Hey, we're going to hit the break, and we have Paul Waldo waiting in the wings here, and uh, we're going to reveal our winner of Sastel Pick the Score as well coming up on the other side. You are listening to the Sports Cage on this Hump Day Wednesday on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. You say Kikuchi taking the mound for the Blue Jays, and as we just mentioned, what a run he has been on. What a story he has been for this team this year. 3-2 and a check swing, and on the appeal, he went around, says Lance Barrett down at third. 0-2. 
And a fastball right down the middle to get him. It winds up down and into the right-handed batters like that. And they swing over the top of that. And in there at 96 to get him. Two down. Swing and a miss. Look at that slider to get him. Got him. Yeah, you see Kikuchi has been absolutely on fire since the All-Star break, and really all season long. Yesterday, he went six innings. He struck out seven, and he only allowed four hits. I mean, pretty good production out of the bottom of the rotation. You say Kikuchi is your sports cage clutch performer today for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, it's 422. I'm just grooving to the beat. Like my dance moves, Blaine? Oh, man, you should have heard the music at practice. This kind of sounded like what the music was at practice today. It was kind of different. At one point, I thought, you know, this music sounds like you're placed on hold or you're stuck in an elevator or something. It was Ooh. a little bit at some points of practice day. It's, it was a sidetrack from the usual soundtrack that the that they lay down the beats. So it, was, it wasn't as good as, uh, what was it, Whitney Houston a couple months back. I think it was about a month you ago. Yeah, we forgot to ask AJ Allen about that. How... Cause that didn't you? Well, we talked about that afterwards. I think that we might have got to the bottom of it. That was. I, I would just have to go back and re-listen to it on the podcast because was, the word was that it was Mitchell Pickton, but then oh. it was uh, AJ Allen that chose uh, the Whitney Houston, and then someone else said that it was Kean Schaefer. Ba I think I, I think it was Kean Schaefer Baker actually. I will say at this point, in terms of tunes, the best one so far in terms of the guy who picked it, Jaden Delica. He had some good. It was like wow. Okay, Jaden. I, I, it was kind of my generational tunes. It wasn't this the mm. new tunes or what they or the what the kids are calling hip and fly or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, hopefully we get more dulky tunes on there. Hey, Paul Waldo joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. What's uh, what's rocking in the old jukebox for Paul Waldo? What kind of music got you rolling when you in your playing days? Oh, in my play days. Oh. Yeah. Am I playing this? Let's go back. Who did we have? We had a little bit of everything. Mm. Early in my career in Montreal, there was this one like really weird like techno song that came out, <laughs> and nobody in that locker room was really techno, but it kind of brought everybody together. It was really funny, and then we ended up actually we were winning that year, and it was just something that we played. I don't even remember the song. There was some was it this one? I think that's a Vici level or something like that. Oh, so, okay, might, might have been. Yeah, yeah that was a big hit, my friend. I'm just yeah. saying, that was big. I, I could picture Anthony not, Calvillo grooving to that. Hey, you might not be wrong, well, You might not be wrong, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely pretty eclectic because, you know, you're in the locker room, you got so many different guys, and yeah. it's, uh, it's interesting. Hey, man, we have another big game coming up here on Sunday. And before I get your Waldo's Warriors for this week, can you think yeah. back – in your playing career once again and think back to a time that you and your teammates got absolutely shellacked and the feeling that you had after that game and the week leading up to the next game does a uh, one game one week come to mind mm, you know we um you guys never got like, you guys never no, got shellacked in Montreal. no 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 <laughs> 
they would win the division by the time it was week 12 or week 13, actually, to be honest with you, in, in three of those four years. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking back to my uh, three days in, in Sask, actually, my last season when, you know, they had relieved uh, Brendan Tam and Corey Chamberlain of their, of their duties. And, um, and there was a game in Calgary where um, we were in Calgary and actually got beat up pretty bad. I mean, I think they, they put almost 50 up on us and that wasn't overly fun. So that I remember and I just remember getting on the plane after thinking like almost wanted the next week to arrive so quickly because you wanted to flush this other one out and you, you wanted to get the chance to be able to move forward and, and you know, you just you just couldn't you couldn't get back on the field to compete compete well enough knowing that you didn't you didn't do a very good job. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, knowing that you're gonna come in the next day and watch watch film and, and you know, it just wasn't wasn't gonna be uh, a good a good team for anybody. So that that's probably tough. That's that's probably the toughest part, mm. but I uh, I definitely remember it though. Yeah, maybe just take us inside a football locker room after after that happens. Like, what's the what's the mood like? Is it uh, pretty much the same, or is it uh, you know kind of flushed out a few days later? No, depending on how the season's going. To be honest with yeah. you, you know when when you're when you're losing several back to back, you know it's more so of a a big concern. I think overall collectively in terms of what's going to happen, um, whether it's your own job or coaches or any changes that are, that are going to be done in that way. I mean, if it's, if it's a, it's a team where you're having a pretty decent season and, you know, it just wasn't your night and you, you just had a really, really bad effort out there. You were more so like I said, looking forward to flushing it out. You have, usually had a 24 hour rule where you would go, you would, you would, you would face it in the mirror. You would watch the tape. You'd get, you know, ridiculed and criticized and, and that would be that, and then it was flushed out, and you're yeah. on to the, on to the next week. So, go in the go in the hot tub, and you know, sweat it out physically, oh just God. sweat it out of yeah. your pores, type of thing. Yeah. Paul yeah. Waldo with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. All right, it's Waldo's Warriors time. Who do you got uh, for this game on Sunday, my friend? Let's start with special teams. Okay, Mario Alford. I mean, you know, a guy like him, Deuce has got to be able to be able to make some plays. I know he's been quiet the last few weeks, and it's just with with you know, with the team and the injuries and, you know, playing with the third string quarterback, you got to find ways to, to be productive and get the ball in the end zone in, in the other two facets of the game. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely go ahead and, and, and look and look to our guy, Amar Alford, who can, who can hopefully get in the end zone or at least, you know, put us in, in a decent, decent position to, to win the, the field position battle and, and make the field short for offense. Yeah. You mentioned it there. We're down to our, Third string quarterback, so on the offensive yeah. side of the ball, who is who is needing to be the big warrior on Sunday to help the Riders get a win here? You know, this is more of a collective a collective um, effort for the offense. I'm going to go with Evan Johnson and, and company. I think they're really going to have to be able to control one scrimmage and run the ball. Um, you know, I know those ends. You know, are really good. Their defensive line is 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 arguably. Uh, the best or the most productive, the most active in the in the league right now. So they're going to have to be able to run, you know, in between the tackles. And I think Evan Johnson and you know and that offensive line and company is going to have to be able to do a good job of putting our team in, in second and short, which then doesn't force you know our quarterback to have to really make outstanding plays and can can be more of a ball controlled offense. Yeah, and on the defensive side, the Riders will be going up against uh, BC Lions offense, who has. 
weapons all over the place. Oh, so they're, they're uh, it's hard to pick one in my mind. Who's your warrior on defense this week to watch for? It, it, it is. You know, I, I said, I think about the secondary, and I said, you know, each and every one of those guys is really going to have to play because you've got guys like Hatchet and Holland on the offensive side for that BC Lions that are just threats from anywhere in the field. But, I'm, you know, I'm going to go – have to go with Micah Johnson. I'm going to go with the two Johnsons. You know, mm-hmm. Micah on on, uh, yeah. on defense and Evan on offense. But I think, you know, the the defensive line did a really good job the last time we were in BC um, of of getting after. Him. I believe I think it was a sack in the end zone that we had called a, a late hit or whatever, which kind of changed the tide of the game. But I felt like if you know if that wasn't called and we got that safety, then you know the, the whole trajectory of the game would have been completely different. So I think if they can continue to get after Vernon Adams and that and that gang. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think it'll it'll make it easier and alleviate the guys in the back end to have to really try to you know maintain a, a really good receiving core. All right, with all this said and done, Paul Waldo, how do you see this game going Sunday? Five p.m. kickoff. Hey, let's let's go. Uh, I'm gonna go twenty-one seventeen to the good guys. That's what I'd like to hear. Okay, Paul, I see you. You got to be optimistic a little bit here, right? You hope it can be done. It's pro sports, right? That's why they yeah. call it any 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 given Sunday or Friday or Saturday or whatever the case is. But I think in in this I, I think in this situation in particular, you know, we're, we're hoping the guys be able to go out there on offense and, like I said, control that line of scrimmage. You know, keep their. Um, keep their offense mm-hmm. off the field hopefully get some, some big plays on special teams. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. Go listen to some dance music. Paul Waldo, we'll talk to you next oh, week. Oh, <laughs> All right, Paul Waldo on the Western Pizza Hotline. Waldo's Warriors for the big game coming up on Sunday. We're going to hit the break and waiting in the wings, our friend Christian Katende running back for the University of Regina Rams, and he will be coming up after our CFL report. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Back inside the Sports Cage with your sports ticker. It's 435, and your sports ticker is for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781 781- 2090. Some news and notes today. For those wondering, North Regina's game versus Taiwan at the Little League World Series will be on TSN 4 tomorrow afternoon. First pitch is scheduled for 3 p.m. Regina time slash Saskatchewan time. Tennis note, tennis Shapa, uh, Dennis Shapovalov withdrew from the U.S. Open today due to a, a little lingering knee issue he's been dealing with. He announced it on his Twitter account today. And Jamal Murray will miss the FIBA Men's Basketball World Cup as he recovers from the NBA season and championship run. So that is very unfortunate news for the country of Canada because we have a lot of great basketball players, but we don't have enough to afford our best players not to be out on the court if we want to challenge for a big-time medal. But that's just Zinger's opinion. I don't know much about it, but that's my opinion. And coming up next, we got your CFL report. I'm Ballsy. Uh, Thanks to Zinger and Blaine for doing the show as I'm fighting a bug, trying to keep everybody else on the team healthy while trying to rest my voice for the big game Sunday against the BC Lions. So I'm in my basement just resting, have social media turned off for the most part, and then my phone starts blowing up because the sports cage apparently put out a tweet in response to the fact that Doris Burke has been promoted to ESPN's lead NBA broadcast team, she'll make history during the NBA final when she becomes the first woman to call a major American men's 
championship. That's great news. We've got our own Daniela Ponticelli on our broadcast, the pre- and the post-game show, and our sideline reporters. She, in my opinion, is the best sideline reporter in the CFL. I say it during every broadcast. Well, apparently at the Twitter handle at SportsCage, somebody in response or in retweeting this Doris Burke tweet put in all caps, LOL, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. That wasn't the sports cage. Folks, we've been trying to deal with this for a while now, longer than I care to even think about. We've been trying to deal with a hacker. Somebody's been hacking our account, either posting crap like that or taking down some of our stuff when we tweet it out. It has nothing to do with anybody at Harvard Broadcasting or the sports cage And in particular, yours truly, because my name is attached to the sports cage. But it has nothing to do with Zinger or Blaine or anybody involved with Harvard or Harvard management. We are trying to get to the bottom of this. So you can have all your BS theories on social media. I am not uh, getting into it there. But I do want to say that we had nothing to do with that. We are totally on board with equality and diversity. Uh, That is something we would never tweet out or retweet. It's garbage. We are handling it. Social media, for the most part, is a sewer pipe. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. And your CFL report is for Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boater pontoon from Kevin's Marine and for Quapel, kevinsmarine.com. So what is happening in our three-down game? Well, I can tell you this. Week 11 in the Canadian Football League kicks off tomorrow night. It's a big game because Darren Flutie is being enshrined on the Wall of Fame at Tim Hortons Field. And, well, a big player will be back in the lineup for the Edmonton Elks as the Elks are getting one of the CFL's top receivers back in the lineup. Eugene Lewis is officially returning from a knee injury that has held him out of the club's last six games. He played three contests to start the year. He made 11 receptions. I think it was about 200 yards and he had one touchdown. And uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats as well will welcome back Dylan Wynn back into the lineup. So that one's going to be a fun one to watch. The Elks going for their first win of the season tomorrow. It's a 5.30 p.m. kickoff, Edmonton in Hamilton. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Back inside the sports cage here on this Wednesday. Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball today. Across the board for me is Blaine Wyland. And one week from tomorrow night at Mosaic Stadium, the University of Regina Rams kick off their season, albeit it's a preseason game, but the season's still underway next week on a Thursday versus the visiting Manitoba Bisons. And we are now joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by running back number 38, Christian Contende. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing good. You excited for the upcoming season, I take it? We're just, uh, like I said, one week away. Yeah, very excited. The boys look good. boys are flying around making plays, so I'm super excited. Uh, do you know yet what kind of playing time you're going to be getting on uh, on Thursday versus Manitoba, or is that uh, still to be determined? Um, yeah, not too sure. Going to leave it up to the coaches. Just uh, hoping to get as much playing time as I can, just be on the field with my brothers. So Yeah. 
Hey, going into last season, the Regina Rams, they were counted out before the season even began. I mean, they were last in the in the polls. I guess my question is, do you guys carry like a chip on your shoulder how, you know, a lot of people don't expect much from you guys and yet, you know, you consistently put together like a pretty good product on the field? Albeit, yeah, you have a lot of different faces on the defensive side of the ball this year, but is there any chip on your shoulder personally going into this season? Um, yeah, I'd say we definitely play with the chip on our shoulders, but uh, we don't really like to worry about what's going on on the outside. We kind of just focus on ourselves and make sure that we're putting the best 12 on the field to make the plays that we need to make to get the win at the end of the day. Yeah, and uh, your quarterback, Noah Pelchier, he is going into his second full season as the starter for you guys. What are some things that maybe you've noticed different uh, with Noah compared to last season at this time? Um, honestly, just his maturity. He's become such a more, m- much more of a leader on the team. He's showing his depth in the playbook and making plays on the field. So super excited for him and for him to showcase what he's got and the talent that he has. We are with running back of the University of Regina Rams, Christian Contende, on the Western Pizza Hotline. So Christian, uh, growing up, was this kind of always your vision to be a running back on the University of Regina Rams? You played your high school ball at Winston Knoll Collegiate. Was this always kind of the goal for you? Um, honestly, yeah. Just uh, being coached by uh, Chris Wernicke, which is another Rams alumni. He definitely helped me pave the way to the success that I'm, I have now being a running back on the team. And I've always envisioned myself playing here in Regina, playing for Coach McConkey, And I'm just glad to have the opportunity to do so. And what are some other guys, either players or coaches, that you might have looked up to on your rise up into the youth sports ranks? Um, I would say Chris Wernicke was definitely a big one. Uh, Andrew Turbuck, he was also my running backs coach. Pete Pascoe helped me out a lot. And uh, Darwin Wagg, actually, uh, he was my peewee, he was my peewee coach. And he's the one who actually transferred me from uh, a D lineman to a running back because he saw how quick I was. So, uh, Definitely a quick shout-out to him. Well, so when did that transition happen? Did you play defensive line at any point in high school? What, when did you uh, make the switch to running back? Um, yeah, I played a little D-tackle in high school, but I, I made the switch to running back when I was in grade 7. And I was I was predominantly a fullback when I was in the younger ages, like during Peewee. And that's when uh, Darwin switched me over, and then I became a running back as I aged on, matured, and kind of had a better grasp on the playbook and how to be a running back. And I kind of fell in love with it by the time I got to high school in grade 10. Yeah. And you're, you're like, a, you're on the bigger side, like you're a big back and it's, it's not often where big backs have the speed that you have. Is that something that you've always kind of had in your back pocket, just a fast football player? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say I'd like to be more physical than fast, but uh, I've definitely helped myself and, and been working towards uh becoming a faster RB, but uh, I feel like I'll let my play do the talking for me on the field. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any, like, personal goals this year? Do you share that with anybody, or is that something that you just keep in your back back pocket? Personal Um, goals. Honestly, just be the best teammate I can be and Mm -hmm. uh, put as much effort on the field on every play that I can. That's, That's kind of my goal, just help the team win. Christian Contende running back on the University of Regina Rams here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So one week away, well, one week tomorrow. I keep saying one week, but technically 
you know, we're getting we're getting there. So the Manitoba Bisons come into town, and then the season opens on September 1st when the UBC Thunderbirds come to Mosaic Stadium. Uh, what gets your juices flowing on game day, uh, Christian? I mean, waking up knowing that there's a game is probably all that you need, but do you have any game day rituals that you uh, like to do? Are you a superstitious kind of guy? Um, honestly, just like, Seeing the arena before I, uh, or seeing the field before I, before we play, mm-hmm. and just having the horns on with the brothers, I feel like just having my teammates around me definitely gets me in the mood to go fly around and make some plays. Hey, the new Madden came out yesterday, Christian. Are you a are you a Madden gamer? Do you play video games at all? Um, I play a little Madden. Uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to run me up into Madden, definitely definitely game for that. <laughs> Who's the best Madden player, or maybe in general, who's the best video gamer on the University of Regina Rams 2023? Um, I'd have to give it to all the Sondags. Sondags love to <laughs> game at their house, so they're definitely the Madden players on the team. Yeah, we should, have, we should have a U of R Rams Madden tournament. I think that would sound good. Maybe the Sondags <laughs> a buy straight to the final. Everybody else is going out there and wanting to play them. Hey, Christian, this has been fun, my friend. We'll see you in action one week from tomorrow night, and uh, good luck the rest of the way hey, here in 2023. Good. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. That's Christian Contende running back on the Regina Rams, number 38 on the Western Pizza Hotline. As we head to break, you are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Olivia Melissa, if you're still listening, good news for you. You are a Sastel pick to score winner. Got a couple tickets for you for the big game Sunday. The thing that caught my eye was, well... To be honest with you, I just did like an eeny, meeny, miny, mo type thing. So, but the thing that caught me caught my uh, caught my eye afterwards was uh, she predicted a twenty-eight to twenty-two riders win on Sundays. So, Olivia, big congratulations! I will send you a uh, congratulations text during the five o'clock news here but uh, you are our first winner for our Sastel pick the score today, and in hour three. We're going to do another contest because I'm feeling like a Santa Zinger today. We got a couple pairs. We want to send you to see this big win on Sunday at Mosaic Stadium. Lots of football happening. The Regina Thunder, of course, they beat the Calgary Colts this past weekend. The Regina Rams open up next weekend. And down south, preseason well underway. I know my Green Bay Packers, they had a nice joint practice today with the New England Patriots in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Zeke Elliott seen for the first time in a Patriots uni. So uh, that, that kind of looked weird. He was weir- wearing a weird number too. I think he was wearing like a 13, 14, did something you, like that. Speaking of weird numbers, did you see what number Teddy Bridgewater is going to be wearing? Oh, don't need, I What is it? 50. You know, <laughs> as soon as you think that you've seen it all, is that even allowed? That can't be allowed. I wonder if it's just, be, 
just, I just wonder if it's if it's just preseason that he gets away with. He's that. probably just messing around in practice, and he put on a fifty. There's no way, like a quarterback can't be taking a field wearing five zero a fifty burger. Oh, like, gotta, come on, I gotta think it's just preseason. You don't even see that in you know like minor football. Like that just doesn't happen. Well, what's worse, having fifty for a quarterback number or playing a game without a play clock? Clock. I would have to say probably the play, you know, like the Regina Thunder and the Calgary Colts. They played with no play clock on the weekend, and that's the first time I've heard of that. So hopefully that doesn't happen anytime again, anytime soon. But the Green Bay Packers, speaking of, we will have the voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larvey of the Packers Radio Network on the Sports Cage tomorrow at 4.35. He's going to be chatting with Michael Ball, so cannot wait to have Wayne Larvey back on the Saskatchewan Airwaves, big friend of the show. And uh, speaking of the NFL, Blaine, do you have something to get off your chest when it comes to your San Francisco 49ers? We got a we got a minute here. There's been a there's lot. a lot before you start. There's a lot of Niner fans here in Saskatchewan. I see hats, I see jackets all the time. So I'm guessing there's a couple Niner fans out there that are listening right now. Did so. you did you see the uh, crowd that they had in Vegas on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Like it was packed, mm-hmm. and I mean it was Niner fans mostly. Yeah. I mean when I was on the strip in Las Vegas in the end of May. Most fans I saw, no doubt about it, it was 49ers. I mean, obviously, I probably wouldn't see much Raider fans because, you know, like, they live in Las Vegas. Although, the Raiders were, before they moved to Las Vegas, probably the most popular team there anyways. But, uh, no, I, I'm not going to lie. We've seen a lot of garbage on social media today. And, well, Trey Lance, uh, I've never seen a quarterback get judged so much after one game. Now, I'm not going to go out here and say he played great because he did not play great. But you look at that offensive line, he got tackled. Uh, But some of the comments, like Michael Lombardi, um, I'm not even going to give him – because he basically said that the moment that his mother picked Trey Lance's mother, who, of course, husband – Played here in Saskatchewan for the Rough Riders in the 90s. Basically said the moment that his mother picked him up from the crib said he didn't have quarterback instinct. There's a lot of that that's been going on this season and this offseason with Trey Lance. It's almost to the point where you think these guys want him to fail. And that's not very nice. I mean, Trey Lance's father, Carlton Lance. He used to play on your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, so I take offense to that. They I, raised a fine young boy, you could, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the whole thing is, like, yeah. he's not... It's a tough situation. And, you know, I was kind of thinking when we were talking with Arash yesterday and how much the similarities between the styles of play of Anthony Richardson and Trey Lance, but the different situations. Trey Lance needed to be in a situation like Indianapolis, but... I, it's frustrating because there's a lot of garbage on there, and mm-hmm. it's very frustrating. Like, if you're a fan of a team, you got to really careful who you watch and like who you follow oh, because yeah. a lot of these opinions are coming from the national outlets who are don't follow the teams. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I know. Like when we want rider information, <laughs> like I like to think you know when we're talking rider information because you know I'm there every day, so yeah. I could tell you straight up. But a lot of these guys are coming out from you know those national. Shows that are just, it's really frustrating, like stuff like that. Now, once again, I'm not saying Trey Lance did that good on Sunday because he didn't have a good game decisive, but it was his decision making, plus a really bad offensive line. The old line was terrible. Uh, he still only got two games left before Brock Purdy is going to be the number one starter. I said earlier this offseason, I thought Trey Lance was going to be the week one starter because 
I thought Brock Purdy was going to be hurt to week six, but you know what? He just got cleared for regular practice yesterday, so... I don't know. It's just garbage. Yeah. I mean, we're we're talking a lot of social media garbage today, and it's uh, that boiled my. I was boiling for a couple days beforehand. You made me think of something. I got what? I got uh, forty seconds regarding these new stadiums that that have been built. The one in Los Angeles, SoFi, and Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. I feel like these new venues. Think about it. These new venues have. New teams playing in the venues. I speak of the Rams, Chargers, and L.A., and then you got the Raiders playing at Allegiant Stadium. These new venues are basically like a hub for visiting fans on the secondary market because a lot of these people that are buying these season tickets and stuff, they have no allegiance to these teams that are just moved in into their own backyard. That's why when you watch a game on TV in L.A., I mean, I'm thinking at the the Rams game that we went to last year when the when the Rams were uh, taking on the Raiders. A lot of it, some of it, has to do with geography, of course. But hey, you even see it when like a team across the country comes in and plays the Raiders in Allegiant Stadium. You'll see the majority of the fans of the visiting team because like these season ticket holders that are buying these tickets more so than other cities like you know like Green Bay and San Francisco and these other you know teams that have had their team in their own backyard for years these these people they don't they don't have an allegiance to the team that's why you know they're selling their tickets on the secondary market that's how I see it though that wraps up hour two I went a little long there I always do though on the other side we'll have your five o'clock news and at 530 just after 530 Darren Flutie on the Western Pizza hotline you are listening to the sports cage on 620 CKRM this number one sports talk show is on and now starting an hour earlier Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Hour three. Here we go. Wednesday, I'm thinking about getting myself some Western pizza tonight. Not going to lie. You just had to say that, didn't you? <laughs> Not gonna, hey, man. My stomach was absolutely grumbling what? during the 5 o'clock news there, and I was just thinking to myself, what did I do to deserve? What did I do to deserve this? No, I'm over. I'm overreacting. But no, I think I've got to get myself a slice tonight, Blaine. Oh, when I say you had, just have to say that because that just makes me want to get a slice too. Oh, I mean, it's man. just oh, Spiro I, and the boys, South Albert. I know my cooking nep- up a nice pizza pie, huh? My, nice and cheese pepperoni. My nephew Martinsville just loves Western pizza. Oh, does he love Western pizza? Hey, it's world famous, baby. Every Ryder game he got—that's their tradition. Now it's a stop there. So, you talk to any radio broadcast team across the Canadian Football League. First thing that they do when they land at the YQR International, they hop in a cab, they hop in whatever, and they head straight to Western Pizza. They have reservations. Once again, I'm. I might be overreacting a bit, but not really because Western Pizza, it's the bomb. What I think that's what the kids say, right? It's the bomb, baby. <laughs> the but, bomb that's fly or yeah. hip and happening. And all of our guests on today's show, as always, appear on that very Western Pizza hotline. You can order the Rough Rider Sweet Deal. Hmm, okay. Keep talking to me from Western Pizza and enter your name for a chance to watch a game from a stadium luxury suite in 2024. Well, okay, maybe that's what's in the makings tonight. 
I was going to pick up my phone and make an online order. I can't do that on live radio, though, so I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> hey, it was, uh, I was going to say, a pretty fun day at Riders practice today, just as far as, you know, some new faces or some old faces back in the lineup today. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Kean Schaefer Baker, how awesome is that that he's back yeah, practicing with the first team? I think, yeah, you can hear it in his voice. He's quite excited. And, uh, it, especially as it happened before Labor Day, too, I think it's an extra bonus. I think this was kind of the target date. So it's good to see him back on target. And it just adds, it just makes that receiving group that much better. Um, you know, uh, one of the things I asked Coach Dickinson is about the consistent players throughout the season. Two guys on offense he pointed out was Sean Bain Jr. and Tevin Jones. Just adding Schaefer Baker back in there, it's going to help that help those guys out as well because um, it just draws less attention to those guys and uh, get, helps the quarterback, obviously, with Jake Dole Galligan likely getting the start on Sunday. Yeah, and I, I had the injury report in front of me, but then all my Western Pizza tabs took it over, so I don't have it in front of me anymore. Do you have it there in front of you, Blaine, the injury report well, from today? Well, I can tell you the one player who did not practice today, but I wouldn't read too much into it, is defensive end for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or defensive tackle. Depends who you like to talk to about that. Anthony Lanier, the second. Uh, but I would just say that it's a day one, Veterans Day. We'll see, you know, how the week uh, unfolds uh, before that happened as well. Um, hey, looking at, I got it in front of me now, Blaine. Yeah. Uh, just seven seven players, if my counting is right. I've never been known to count very good. <laughs> I, know, uh, I, I know. Seven injury or seven players on the report today compared to maybe this time last week or two weeks ago. And the fact is, too, three of them are full practices, so it's not like they're hurt off. Mm-hmm. And then the other limited one is Brandon Council. So it's definitely positive news that. Uh, they're getting healthy. And like I mentioned, one of the that did not practice was Anthony Lanier. Like I said, we'll have to wait and see as the week goes on. It doesn't surprise me a guy like that would get a day off on day one with a five-day full week uh, heading mm-hmm. into Sunday's game. Well, how about Mitch Pickton as well? He's back. And Mitch Pickton is my boy. I can't wait for this, man. And, and he looked good. He made a nice snag. He looked like... Uh, you know, that Swiss Army, Swiss Army knife, you know, they like to plug him in at different spots, kind of, he's a valuable backup, you know, where you could put him uh, at any any spot in the receiving core. So, uh, it just, it's a, also another big boost, having another Canadian back there, as well, Juwan Breskison. There's another Canadian that back there. So, you know, last week they had some issues with the ratio, uh, you know, mixing in guys, and now they got some options now with these, now possibly three Canadians that they could possibly use at receiver. Yeah, I, I've been asking our guests all week long, or I, at least today and yesterday, basically, you know, getting their thoughts on what it's like to be around a team or to be on a team after, you know, that said team loses big time. Well, you're around the team every day, Blaine, or this is the first time that you've been around them since that shellacking in Montreal. What's uh, what's your vibe kind of uh, going into uh, practice day number one today? Yeah, you know, it's... I just say it's a little bit hard to read because, you know, I spent a lot of time with the quarterbacks today and talked to our offensive coordinator, Kelly Jeffrey, as well. So it's kind of the offensive side. But I don't want to say it's um, loud and boisterous. It was a positive move, but, you know, it wasn't like I wouldn't say like they are not taking this lightly. I think they're mm-hmm. kind of fo- they're starting to focus. I think I mean, it's obvious this is a big game on Sunday. It's one of those. You don't want to say that they must win or it's kind of situation like that. 
It's an important game, though. It's uh, you like from momentum wise heading to the break. Then you got those matchups with Winnipeg on after the bye as well. You want to go in with some momentum, some positive. But after that game in Montreal, it's just you know they're going to come around. I really expecting a different effort, obviously. And I know something. It, it's a different practice week, hey. We're talking the importance of practice. Well, maybe of reps. Well, but the, we'll the energy and stuff, pretty much like status quo, like what it usually is in a normal yeah, week of practice. I would say for a yeah. day one, you know, after a few days off, it's not like it was loose. But I wouldn't say, you know, some people say, "Well, it's loose." Is it too loose? But I wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were in good spirits. Um, well, you know. even if it was loose, not saying that's going to be the difference maker. You know, I just I. <laughs> To be honest with you, I've never been on a football team. No, I've only played high school football, mind you, but I've never really been on a team where we've lost by multiple scores. So I just I, I just I wish I could just be a fly on the wall sometimes, you Some, know? Sometimes, but I really think that you know, I don't want to say like they knew they were going to head like they're facing a lot of things that have happened to that game and I yeah. mean it's just that one of the, it's sometimes those games it just snowballs and it gets out of control and then it just you know, um I'm just expecting something. I really think it's something different on Sunday, and it's one of those, I think they're going to prove it games. You know what I mean? It's just that uh, the chip on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they got a big one coming into Sunday's game, and I think they're going to really draw back on that first game. Now, they didn't face Fernandes that much in that first game. It was Dane Evans in that one, so it's a little bit different matchup. But uh, we've seen this a lot in this league before, a team that comes in with a lot of momentum, Goes against a team that's a little bit desperate, and the desperate team comes out winning it. So we'll have to wait and see what's like, what it guards on Sunday. But I wouldn't. Well, I'll tell you what, man. We we've seen it all season long. Any any team in this league could beat any team on any given week. We've seen it. We've. It's not just you know. I, I'm I, not d- making stuff up. It's well, happened no. already this year. I'll point out two particular games and two particular. I don't want to say upsets, but look at like when uh, BC got thumped by Winnipeg when they had that short week and Winnipeg had two weeks off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then look at the game Toronto played right after the touchdown Atlanta game, went to Calgary, they lost. Short mm-hmm. week, long travel. The Red Blacks beat the Bombers, man, on that uh, big-time comeback. Yeah, I mean, it's the travel does matter in the short amount of time. I, I really do think the league has to take... I really think the league's got to, you know... They got to keep closer count of these off days and days rest because it's really not skewed. I don't think I, I know the riders got more of a friendlier schedule in that terms neck uh, in the back half of the season. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have this uh, Sunday Friday situation like they do in the back half of the season. And I think, and it's not just the riders. There's te- other teams have been victimized by this in one way or the other or weird scheduling curves. Like the fact that the Argos are taking their third bye week this week. No, that is weird. Like no, they don't, don't have a bye now to the end of the season. I mean, they got a good shot at the first round, or, you know, division, you know, not playing the semifinals, but who knows? Maybe they're not now. Like, I, What'd you make of those uh, Argo uh, dark blue pants? That I didn't know that they had those. They wore some dark blue pants over the weekend. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how I feel about it. To be quite frank with you, I don't. I don't think I like it. Nah, but I don't. It should have been white. I like. I like. Uh, I like the all white look. If I were to pick one uniform for the Argos that I don't mind, it's when they wear white jersey, white pants. But the Argos, they don't play this week, and. We heard some news today. I mean, the Edmonton Elks have been in the news all week long for all the wrong reasons. Victor Quee, no longer the president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks. 
But the Edmonton Elks, they got some good news today. If you missed it from earlier, the Elks are getting one of the CFL's top receivers back in the lineup tomorrow night versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yes, I'm talking about friend of the show, Geno Lewis. So that's going to be big for Edmonton. We chatted with Morley Scott, the voice of the Elks, in Hour 1, the voice of the Elks on 630 Ched. He thinks that uh, this is going to be a big move uh, you, to maybe push the Elks over the hump to maybe get a win. And that's a 5.30 kickoff tomorrow. And speaking of this game, it's a very big game tomorrow, not just because the Elks are looking for their first win and Hamilton trying to stay you know, in the playoff picture in the East Division because as it sits right now, Hamilton has a 3-5 and five record. They are in third place in the East, a couple of games behind Montreal, who are 5-3 and three right now. So it's a big game for both teams. But... I'm- all right, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, hosting a great cup in your own city. We all know about that. Yeah. The pressure's come with that one. Yeah. But also, Darren Flutie is going to be honored. I don't know if it's pregame or at halftime tomorrow, but he is going to be honored tomorrow. He is going up on the wall of honor at Tim Hortons Field. So uh, that's going to be pretty exciting for got, Hamilton fans. Do huh? you got a favorite Darren Flutie moment that sticks out in your head? F- favorite Darren Flutie moment. Obviously, it's not mine. Is not against the Rough Riders. <laughs> well, probably my favorite, my favorite Darren Flutie moment was when I was a kid and I was at Taylor Field and I met Darren Flutie, Joe Monford, and Ronnie Lancaster in person. I think I was what like eight years old, something like that. So it's not a plain memory, but when I think of Darren Flutie, that comes to mind first. What's yours? I think when he made that catch in the end zone against Calgary, mm. a touchdown uh, yep. in yep. the playoffs. Yep. I think about that a lot. So. Uh, what a heck of a receiver. I mean, you know, when we had more on there to talk about those numbers. It, you know, I, they do, I, when he said, I'm, I don't know, I just remember him being a thousand yard receiver all the time. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, so it's not like it's too surprising. Like, there was a lot of good receivers in the early 90s in the CFL. Not only, like, if we're talking 90s, obviously, receivers in the 90s, uh, right here in Saskatchewan, we have some good ones, of course, but across the league, there's some really good ones. Uh, other other than uh, Darren Flutie, some other great ones in the early 90s that I remember. Big fans of, except when they play the Riders, of course. Alan Pitts, mm. Dave Sapunges. There's a couple of good receivers. I mean, I just love the name Sapunges, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. How about Mookie Mitchell? That comes to mind Ooh. as well. Daryl Mookie Mitchell, he had a couple good games. We're going to hit the break here. And speaking of Darren Flutie, by the way, Darren Flutie will be joining uh, Brennan McGuire, friend of the show, right at... Around 5.35, Brennan McGuire caught up with Darren Flutie ahead of his induction into the Wall of Honor for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, which will go down tomorrow. So uh, Darren Flutie will be the subject of today's Where Are They Now for Floor Coverings International. You are listening to the Sports Cage on this Wednesday on 620 CKRM. Your hard work, it allows the world to feed itself every day. Your rye, your wheat and your barley, your flax, lentils, and beans. Millions and millions of people need you to be out there. So while the world is relying on you this harvest, you can always rely on us, Ibarasa and Sons. If you need anything this busy harvest season, we'll be there. Ibarasa.com Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Toronto Blue Jays in action versus the Philadelphia Phillies. It's 
bottom of the first. The Jays have a runner on first base. There's two outs, though. Kevin Gosman getting the start tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays. You say Kikuchi. He's been on fire. I mean, since the All-Star break, pretty sure he leads all of baseball and ERA. And I don't think you can ask for much more out of a uh, bottom-of-the-rotation starter. Remember in the winter when everyone's like, you really? The Blue Jays are going to have Kikuchi as their fifth starter? Yeah. Really? I was probably one of those people, to be honest with you. <laughs> You're driving the, mo- driving yeah, the train, yeah, eh? He's proven a lot of people wrong. We chatted with Ben Wagner, the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, in Hour 1. If you missed that convo, you can find it on demand. Wherever you find your podcasts, live and living... Uh, Audio color. <laughs> I was going to say visual color. No, we're in the radio game. So it's end of one Philadelphia and uh, Toronto. And also happening right now, the Cincinnati Reds have a one to nothing lead over the Cleveland Guardians. The Houston Astros five to two over the Miami Marlins. Oakland A's. It's been a sorry season for them, but they're up on the St. Louis Cardinals right now, four to nothing. Speaking of sorry seasons, the Cardinals have had one themselves. The Boston Red Sox, they're in the nation's capital tonight. And I believe Boston went into today with a 60 and like 60 record. Or maybe I'm thinking of the, of the Yankees. But both the Yankees and the Red Sox right now are on the outside looking in. Yeah, so that was the Yankees. The yeah. Yankees are 60 and 60, and the Boston's 63 and 56. So as it sits right now, it's August 16th today, okay? The Toronto Blue Jays. If the season ended right now, would be in the playoffs. And you could argue they would have the most favorable wild card matchup because the Toronto Blue Jays would play the 63 and 59 Minnesota Twins in the playoffs. Yes, they wouldn't have to play the 69 and 52 Houston Astros. They wouldn't have to play the Tampa Bay Rays who are 73 and 50 because the Rays and the Astros respectfully they are Number four and number five in the AL race right now. So Tampa Bay and Houston would go at it, and Toronto would go at it with Minnesota. Can you imagine October, Minnesota, Toronto? I wonder how much uh, contingent of that would be Blue Jay fans traveling, well, from here, from Saskatchewan. Oh, a lot. And Manitoba, you know? A lot. I mean, usually when the start of uh, the NFL season rolls around and obviously the, the heat up for the CFL playoffs, I'm always in just straight football mode. Unless the Toronto Blue Jays are in the playoff picture. Like when they had those runs a couple years ago when they lost out to the Royals and when they lost out to Cleveland the year the year after that. I mean, I was all in. I cannot wait. See, last year it was real it was a real bummer, man. That that series against Seattle, it was just like it was like a nightmare scenario. That's why I don't know, if you're the Blue Jays, there's no way that you can like manipulate this at all but if they can finish in that last wild card spot in the American League because it's looking like they are going to be on a, they are going to be a wild card unless they you know string together a huge winning streak Baltimore's at the top of the division with a 74 and 46 record but if the Jays can just you know stay steady and finish in that spot right there and take on the Minnesota Twins more than likely in the playoffs because right now Cleveland they are, I want to say, I think... They at, were selling at the deadline, even though they were... At the time, I believe they were uh, like only two games out or three games out, but they were selling at the deadline. Yeah, like Cleveland's four games back. Four games back of Minnesota right now. So it's a potential Toronto versus Minnesota 
wild card series playoff best of three but hey we're august 16th maybe i'm getting ahead of myself still a whole lot of baseball to be played but it's exciting knowing the possibilities that the toronto blue jays are going to be in the playoffs again this year baby that's what we live for playoffs playoffs Blue Jays in the playoffs we're gonna hit the break we'll have a uh, a quick sports update for you next, and then it's time. It's time to roll out the red car, uh, the red carpet. Brendan McGuire will be chatting with Darren Flutie, who is getting set to go into the Hamilton Tiger Cats Wall of Fame tomorrow at Tim Hortons Field. You are listening to the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. This edition of Sports Cage, where are they now for Floor Coverings International? Need new floors? Let Floor Coverings International bring their mobile showroom to you. Visit their website for your free consultation. Zinger, if you need new flooring, go to Floor Coverings International. And we go out on the line, and we are very pleased to be joined by uh, the newest member of the Hamilton Tiger Cats Wall of Fame, Darren Flutie. Darren, welcome to the radio show in Saskatchewan. Thanks, Brendan. It's good to be with you. You know, I grew up in the 90s, and um, that's when I fell in love with the Canadian Football League, and I still reminisce about that era, and uh, I tell anybody who will listen that it was the greatest era ever in uh, probably any sport, and the league never got a lot of respect, and uh, there was always a lot of uh, turmoil off the field, but yet the athletes kept showing up, and they kept playing, they kept wowing us and dazzling us, and I remember uh, the constant... Um, analysis was the on-field play has never been the problem for the Canadian Football League. It was it was always other stuff. Now some of those issues have been ironed out a bit. Uh, the quality is still good, but it's to me not where it was in the '90s. And uh, maybe that's just how it is. When you grow up, there's an era that you become so attached to. And for me, it was probably like '92, '93 that included uh, the golden age of quarterbacks. And of course, one of those quarterbacks uh, was your brother Doug. Um, I, I feel like it would be very difficult to grow up in the shadow of someone who is such an elite athlete, but I've heard Doug speak many times about your brother relationship, and uh, he makes it sound like the two of you just got along great, and uh, you never really had too many problems that way. Uh, were there times where maybe you resented having to live in his shadow? Uh, honestly, I, I can't remember ever, ever resenting it. You know, it was the way we grew up. We kind of were like lower middle class family, kind of struggling a little bit, but we built kind of our life around sports. So Doug's, you know, he's a good four years older than I am, and my brother Bill, I guess, is five years older than I am. But they were always helping me. Like, Doug was always, like, supporting me, helping me. So it was a close relationship. Doug and I were very similar, also kind of athletically. Both, you know, my brother Bill's like 6'3", but Doug and I weren't as tall, but we kind of were a little quicker, I guess. So we played a lot together, and it was a very supportive and respectful relationship. Looking back, you know, that's how I remember it. Uh, my understanding is you played only eight games as a teammate with Doug with the BC Lions. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that, Darren. But No, uh, you're right. You're okay, right with it, that. it was very short-lived. Um, do you remember the day that you were called and invited to come to Canada and what you thought, what ran through your mind? Oh, boy, I'll tell you, I had almost had enough of football, right? I had been in the NFL, right? I went there at 88 with the Chargers as a free agent. Made the team, had a decent year, 
Then 89, I stayed in San Diego. 90 and 91, I got released by the Cardinals. But it was always like, I was always a bubble guy and fighting to make the team and then fighting to stay on the team. So it was a lot of anxiety and stress. So when I got released in 91, I think I did a workout or two for like the Lions and they flew me down to Miami with the Dolphins. But I knew no one would sign me at that point. And I was all set to come back home to Boston and just say, I was done with football. I really didn't like it at that point because of all my experiences in the NFL and how stressful it was. But Doug kept telling me, oh, hang in there, hang in there. I'll, you know, I'll help get you up here somewhere. And, you know, you can come up and work out. And if it works out, great. If they don't think you're good enough, then no worries. You go home. So that was maybe, say, the end of August, beginning of September, I got released, and then it was two weeks later that uh, the BC Lions, I think it was Bill Quinter, called me to go up and work out for them, practice with them. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally it does. And um, now, you guys played together uh, so briefly. Um, Does it ever run through your mind what might have been had you had the chance, the the stars had aligned so that you guys could have played together longer, or... Do you feel like the fact that you went out and you you created this great chemistry you had with Danny McManus, um, maybe that was a blessing because it really helped uh, you and everyone else understand what you could bring to the game um, as somebody who is, you know, carve your own identity. You were able to carve your own identity because you weren't playing with Doug all the time. Talk a little bit about that. that. Did that help you carve your own identity? It did, no question, that when we start, we played together those eight games, kind of in 91 towards the end, and then he went to Calgary, and I was still under contract in British Columbia. And we wanted to stay together and keep playing together, and there was a lot of talk about, oh, just come to Calgary, don't worry about what they sign you for, you know, I'll give you some of my salary, Doug was saying stuff like that. But it just, uh, I didn't want it to be that way. You know, he should make whatever he earned to make. And if I'm here in BC, then I'll carve out my own thing and, and do the best I can. And fortunately, I mean, we had a horrible year in 92 in British Columbia. 3-15, and 15, I remember I, it like yesterday. That was the yeah, first year I followed yeah. the CFL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough year, no question. I think probably four quarterbacks played that season, but... I, I think I played in every game, and I had that was my first full year of the CFL, and I was still trying to get better, you know, trying to learn the game, become a better receiver. I really hadn't peaked as a receiver yet, but that was a huge year for me to get better. And then 93 was just kind of one more year that I think I was still getting better, but I was able to have these 1,000-yard seasons, so... You know, British Columbia was happy with me. And then when 94 came and Danny and I really worked together in 94, that was the big year for me where I felt like, oh, all right, now I really get, you know, playing receiver. I really understood it well. I was in good shape. I was still young enough. And I think going my own way was great. But I would have loved later in my career when I was felt like I was better to have played with Doug again because I felt like I could have played much better and it could have been a better kind of connection, but 
it, it ended up very well. I mean, playing with Danny and being on my own, like you said, carving out my own kind of path was was very good. That that was the best case scenario for me. Darren Flutie joins us on Sports Cage. Where are they now for Floor Coverings International? Need new floors? Let Floor Coverings International bring their mobile showroom to you. Visit their website for your free consultation. You never did have the opportunity to play for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but you played at Old Taylor Field many times. Um, when you hear about the Rough Riders, uh, what, what, what kind of thoughts come into your mind? I, I know that um, I, I don't I don't think you ever played the Riders in the playoffs. Um, or sorry, 97, I think you would have played the oh, Riders in the, the Western Final. Painful. Of course I had to bring that up, but uh, what, uh, what, what, what do you remember about coming to, uh, to Taylor Field? Uh, I always loved playing in Regina and going to Saskatchewan. Um, I can remember like teammates saying, well, you know, it's going to be cold, it's going to be windy. I'm like, well, what game isn't up here unless we're in a dome or something? So that really didn't bother me, but I thought the fans were great. They were hardcore, you know, Saskatchewan, they were Ryder fans, and you got that right away. But they appreciated, I think, players that played hard and well. So I just remember, like, being close to the the fans in the stadium, because it was kind of close to where we stood on the sidelines, and they would talk back and forth to you, at least to me, and say, hey, great catch, nice touchdown, you should come to the Riders or something like that. And <laughs> I loved playing there. I really did. Some games were tough, you know, with the wind and snow. And I could probably remember every game I played there. But I almost signed with the Riders. I don't know if it was for the 96. Yeah, 96 when I went to Edmonton. I forget the coach's name. Maybe Daly or Jim something? Daly. Yeah. 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 Jim Daly. The Riders. and. Well, he talked to me a lot about going to Saskatchewan, but eventually Danny was going to Edmonton, and I kind of wanted to keep that consistency, that comfort of playing with D-Mac, so I ended up in Edmonton. Did um, I almost did. Well, I was, I was just going to ask, because I remember it like yesterday, uh, going into the 98 season, when Danny Mack was leaving Edmonton, or we didn't know what was going to happen, and I remember the Riders held a press conference to announce pretty well nothing, just that Danny Mac was in town, and Danny Mac said to the assembled media, "You know, I've heard from a lot of people. If you ever get the chance to play in Saskatchewan, you're going to love it." And you know, some speculated that that was just him uh, using it as leverage to get a better contract from somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, within about a week, Ronnie Lancaster announces, "Hey, we've got Danny Mac coming to Hamilton, and uh, we brought his buddy too, Darren Flutie." Uh, so I'll ask the question: Do you remember visiting Regina that year, or maybe that was the year that you're you're thinking? of and was was there was that ever serious did you and Danny ever seriously discuss maybe bringing your act together to Regina instead of Hamilton first of all I think you're right I think it was that year so what that was after Edmonton so before the 98 season I remember yeah. everything about the 90s Darren I don't remember anything since but <laughs> I know the 90s <laughs> inside and out so you're a lot like me then yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah you're correct so I remember D-Mac coming up to me, and he's like, he had said to me, I'm definitely out of here in Edmonton. Like, I think uh, Kay Stevenson was coming in and bringing Dave Archer right. with him as the quarterback in Edmonton. So as soon as I heard that, I'm like, well, I'm out of here, Mac, no matter what. I mean, I don't know if you want to go to the same team or 
you know, we talked a little bit about should we go to the same team or what do you want to do, but I was going to get out of Edmonton also because, I don't know, I just didn't want a new quarterback and a new coach and have to prove myself all over again. And uh, we did both go to Regina, and they hosted us for a couple days, but we didn't go together. Danny went at one time, and then I went the next time. And, I mean, to be quite honest, it was about where would I get the better contract? Like, right. I could have gone a different way than Danny at that time if, you know, the money was there. And cause at this point, uh, Terry and I had two kids, and they were probably two and four years old at that point. And I had to start making some money, you know, and I wanted to go to a place where I could make some money. And Hamilton, really, they gave us a great deal. I think that was all Coach Lancaster. As messed up as that could have been in Hamilton, it was a good contract. Well, I th- somehow I think it worked out for you, um, getting to a couple of great cups and getting a ring, and now you're going onto the hall of fame or the wall of fame. And um, you know, I was gonna, I'll just throw this joke out there. When I first saw that uh, Darren Flutie's going to go to the Tie Cats Wall of Fame, who else is on the Tie Cats Wall of Fame? Who can I think of in like five seconds? Hmm, Angelo Mosca, Danny Mac. Um, well, Darren Flutie's probably the skinniest guy who's going to go on the wall. So, <laughs> and I just say that to kid. And uh, but uh, but but Danny Mac is. Uh, one of the most beloved figures in Canadian football and it's uh, you know I've never been able to fully put my finger on why um, he's not the greatest quarterback that I ever saw or, or that many of us ever saw um, he was a, he was a really good quarterback and, and you, you might argue a great quarterback um, but there was just something about him and his personality that just fit up here he was a guy who went to a high profile school like Florida State and he never seemed to think that Canada or the CFL was ever beneath him he loved playing in the Canadian Football League is that a fair assessment am I hitting the right notes there in uh, explaining Danny Mac, I mean, you knew you know him better than anyone. Uh, I agree with you a hundred percent, and um, I think you made a great point at the end when you say that playing in the CFL wasn't beneath him. You know, I think that's a lot the way I looked at it. I was like very felt fortunate that there was a place I could play professionally, get paid, and just play without that fear of politics or anything coming into play. Like, if I played well, I was going to stay, make some money. If I didn't play well, I'd probably get released. And everybody was very upfront with you. And to answer your question, yes, Danny, I think maybe that's one of the things we had in common so much, is that we took what we were doing extremely seriously, and we worked very hard, and we felt fortunate to be able to play in Canada. And we loved it. I mean, if I look back now, those are absolutely the best years of my life for football. And I think Danny felt the same way. But he's just got, such, yeah, like you said, a laid-back personality. And his approach to the game was preparation. And when you get out there, you know, play your ass off. And whatever happens, happens. And I just, I can relate to that because that's the same way I look at the game. Where you live today, do you get the opportunity to follow the Canadian Football League much at all? And if so, do you do you like where the game is right now? I follow it as much as I can. It's a busy life, right? We live just outside of Boston, my wife and I, and it's Natick, Massachusetts, so it's like 15, 20 minutes outside of Boston. 
but I, I can't follow the game as much as I would like to. I'm in orthopedics now, so it's I'm in the OR a lot. And wow, it's an implant device company. So it, it's just been busy. But I think uh, what Hamilton drafted Jake Burt, who I knew because my son went to Boston College and Jake was a BC kid. So I started to pay attention, especially the last few years. But I missed, the, like I went up last year for Danny getting. Uh, inducted into the Wall of Honor for Hamilton, and Danny had to catch me up on like 20 years of Canadian football league football. I just, you know, when I retired in 2002, I really got away from the game, and I had to get after whatever I was going to do post football. So I didn't follow it as much, but lately I followed it a lot more. And you know, I actually know the teams and who's coaching where and the GMs and that type of stuff. But not enough to assess, like, where the game is. But you mentioned this earlier, and I do have one thought, if I'm not rambling on too much. Not at all. You, The floor is yours. <laughs> Thanks. Which I just see all these leagues popping up. Like, I've flipped the TV, and there's an XFL, there's a USFL. There's, there's a lot of leagues that I think it may dilute my first thought was, is it diluting the talent that ends up going up to Canada? Because I hope it, it doesn't. Like, we traditionally had these very good American players go up and play in Canada, and the combination of the Canadian players and the American players that were up there made for a very quality personnel, right? Players. Right. We had a high level of talent up there. And I, I'm worried a little bit that all these leagues are popping up and it's going to take players away from the CFL. That's what I would worry about a little bit. But I don't know if you're seeing that, and I don't know the CFL well enough to really say that. But listen, hey, this has been a huge thrill for me, and uh, selfishly, I love any interview I can do from uh, a well-known figure from the 1990s. And uh, I do hope you get the opportunity to come to Regina someday and see the new stadium. We would love to have you and uh, show you around. Thanks for doing this. Oh, I'd love to see it. Thank you, Brendan. It's good talking to you. That is Darren Flutie. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Back inside the Sports Cage, wrapping things up here on this Wednesday. Big congratulations once again goes out to Olivia Melissa. Olivia has won today's Sastel picked the score because she predicted a 28-22 Riders win. But that's not the reason why she won. The reason why she won is... She was the winner of my eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I think that's the way it goes, right? Eeny, meeny, miny. Yeah. So yeah. big congratulations, Olivia. Hopefully you enjoy the game on Sunday, and hopefully you will be in attendance for a big Saskatchewan Rough Riders victory. So I want to give a shout out to the, yeah. the Wrights up in Melford that are tuning in, uh, John oh, yeah. and Judy Wright. Uh, John, I probably still, I don't know if he does, but I still have nightmares of moving my hide bed Oh, man. You know those old school hide beds Yep. Oh, well, we tried moving. Like uh, I started out in um, my radio career up in Melfort, and I was moving. I was moving a big hide bed in a small space. While well, the let's just say the hide bed did not fit in the small space, and it's one of those old clunkers, eh? Like the fold out, the heavy steel. Oh, and man. they they helped you move this well, this J- thing. Well, John did. I, yeah. I mean, 
Uh, but uh, yeah, John and Judy are good friends with my parents, so uh, they were tuning into the show today. So I want to give them a shout out yeah. all the way up in Melfort, even though the humbled Melfort rivalry. Yeah. Now there's some good ones up there, of course. There are a lot of good people up in Melfort, of course. Don't want to diss them anyway, but uh, yeah, Melfort Mustangs, Melfort Comet still makes my blood boil. That's their high school football team. Oh, the Melfort Comet. Actually, oh yeah, Logan I, Fur or no, uh, yeah, Logan, yeah, Logan Furlan. Yeah. I was going to say actually, uh, John and Judy's uh, son Justin. I believe I played against them. Okay. Uh, back in the day. So, uh, yeah, those Melford, uh, Melford Comets. <laughs> what do those unis look like? They're green and yellow. They're a lot like Edmonton Eskimos. Or Elks, I should say. Like, Or you could say like the Green Bay Packers. That's a lot better to my uh, ear. Yeah, their yellow is more the gold. Like, you know, uh, your ears yeah. is the yellow. Like, we yeah. had like uh, we had the blue and white, eh? Yeah. Or the humble Mohawks, HCI Mohawks. And, uh, yeah, I... Just reminiscent about those the good old days. The good old days, my friend. This was a good old show today. I'll tell you that. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on demand. We had Morley Scott, Ben Wagner, Paul Waldu, Christian Katende, running back from the University of Regina Rams. We just heard from Darren Flutie with Brendan McGuire. We heard a whole lot of audio from practice today. And uh, if you missed any of today's show, yeah, you can find it on demand. Ballsy will be back in the big chair tomorrow, and we'll have some more audio from Riders Practice, as well as at uh, 4.45-ish, it will be the Play Now Sports Picks with our friend Ben Whiting. And right before that, at 4.35, the radio voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larvey, will be on the Western Pizza Hotline to give uh, the latest from Green Bay, Wisconsin, as the Green Bay Packers are getting set to take on the New England Patriots Friday night from Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And that wraps up today's show. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have yourself a good night.